Thank you for joining us today on our Search for Truth program. Most of you will know that Brian Johnston, our Bible teacher on Search for Truth, is looking at Bible prophecy under the title Tomorrow's Headlines. Listeners in the United Kingdom may remember the fuel tanker driver's strike not so long ago and the impact of the rise of fuel prices upon other vital things such as food and transport. Oil wields great power in today's economy all over the world and Brian will be looking into that today in his talk called Oil Politics and Old Prophecies. First, let's take comfort in the knowledge that there's no greater power than God and with the hymn Be still, my soul. world as we know it today is addicted to fossil fuels. Oil drives our western economy. It spins the turbines, heats homes and powers our vehicles. In short, I guess you could say it defines western civilization. Because of that, it has the power to shape future events very dramatically. Many believe that recent and current events in and around the Middle East have a lot to do with securing the world's oil supply. It may even be that they can begin to throw some light on Bible prophecies. You see, Saudi Arabia, Iraq and Kuwait together account for about 50% of the world's proven oil reserves. And as we head on into the 21st century, the world, and Europe especially, has a dependence on Middle East oil, oil which is found under the sands of the most politically unstable region of the world. In 1990, When Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, he doubled the amount of oil under his control overnight to 25% of the world's proven reserves. Reports then hinted he might even have been planning to send his forces into Saudi Arabia, so raising the spectre of one man controlling half the world's oil supply. But what if one man really could achieve a monopoly over much of the world's oil? It's no longer far-fetched to see how an oil-rich city could become very influential as well as fabulously wealthy. 
when another war against Iraq was first threatened. Features in Guardian Unlimited, the New York Times and CBC News painted a graphic picture of how miserable life was in and around Babylon, 50 miles to the south of Baghdad. Miserable for ordinary Iraqis, that is. Life would be far from miserable in the magnificent palace overlooking the ancient site of the biblical Babylon. It was built by and for Saddam Hussein, the self-styled latter-day Nebuchadnezzar. So you see, Babylon has undergone something of a rebuilding programme in recent times. Compare this with the worldwide influence and ostentatious affluence the Bible can be interpreted as predicting for an actual rebuilt Babylon in its end-time scenario. Despite the present rebuilding, it's hard to match the circumstances of a present-day Babylon with its description in the book of Revelation. After all, wasn't Iraq bombed out of the 20th century? Wasn't it left crippled beyond hope of recovery? In reality, early assessments of the damage Iraq had suffered in the Gulf War of 1991 were overestimated. That war ended with Saddam Hussein still in control of Iraq. Ironically, he remained in power longer than George Bush Sr., the driving force behind the Allied coalition that attempted to oust him. So the Gulf War of 1991 didn't change much in the Middle East. The same thing could happen again, despite initial appearances. Iraq became a major military force in the region after having been helped on its way in the mid-80s by the very Western powers that have lately begun to oppose it. At that time, it was cultivated as a defensive shield against Khomeini in order to hold Iranian revolutionary forces in check. Perhaps at that time, it was anti-Western religious extremists in Iran who needed to be prevented from controlling the world's oil supply. With 50% of the Earth's proven oil reserves ranged around the shores of the Persian Gulf, the potential for Iraq's rise to fabulous wealth and international influence still exists. For the doubters, it need only be remembered how the discovery of oil in 1935 in Saudi Arabia transformed a group of Bedouins into billionaires and changed the face of the Middle East. In the Bible book of Revelation, a book that demands careful reading because it's rich in symbolism, in Revelation we read of a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. The book of Revelation identifies the woman on the beast as Babylon, and the beast on which the woman sits is described as the world superpower which the prophet Daniel predicted as coming to prominence at the time of the end. It seems something of an anachronism that Daniel should imply this future empire has affinity to that of ancient Rome. But when we remember that Rome once held sway from Asia Minor, across Europe, to Spain and Great Britain, then we begin to see that the emergence of some kind of unified or federal Europe really would justify Daniel's description. So, coming back to the strange apocalyptic image of a woman astride a scarlet beast, we ask ourselves, can that really be predicting that control of a unified Europe will one day be wielded from a literal rebuilt city of Babylon? Or is Babylon just a code word for something else? The issue of whether the rebuilding of that ancient city is predicted in the Bible is certainly an intriguing one. But there's also another explanation as to why the name Babylon crops up in Bible prophecy. 
Students of religious history tell us that the impact of ancient Babylon can scarcely be exaggerated. Babylon had already developed quite a religious system by the time of the Bible character of Nimrod, a great grandson of Noah, whom we meet in Genesis chapter 10. Ancient sources indicate that his wife founded this religious system, which was a counterfeit of God's truth. The names changed wherever it was exported, but its basic feature, the cult of mother and child, stayed the same. So the Phoenicians talked of Astoreth and Tammuz, and being seafarers, they carried the mother and child cult to the ends of the earth. In Egypt, they became Isis and Horus. In Italy, they became Venus and Cupid, while the Canaanites knew them as Asherah and Baal. A king called Cyrus expelled the cult from Babylon in the 6th century BC. But later, Julius Caesar brought it to Rome, made Rome its centre, and took upon himself the title of its chief priest, the Pontifex Maximus, and had it imprinted on his mitre. So already in history, Babylon has ruled over Rome in a religious sense. It could be that what was true in the past will reach its full extent in the future, a counterfeit religious philosophy whose roots somehow can be traced to Babylon will hold sway over a European block of countries drawn from roughly the same area as the old Roman Empire. But it's not too difficult to imagine an individual controlling the oil wealth of the Middle East and using his billions to complete the reconstruction of Babylon. An oil-rich city could use oil as a lever to exert influence over an oil-thirsty Europe. That would certainly satisfy the wording found in Revelation, the woman whom you saw is the great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. If we're sceptical, it's probably because we're thinking of the technology and firepower of the West. But any dominant military power in the world would be handicapped by a dependence on oil. Yes, even the world's strongest fighting machine grinds to a halt without oil. So any world leader emerging from a unified Europe would probably need the cooperation of a Middle Eastern ruler who had control of the world's oil reserves. Unless you take the view that Europe's leader, after destroying the religious influence of Babylon, presides for a while over Europe from Babylon as his own new headquarters. So in that sense, Europe is ruled by its own leader, but from Babylon. That too would fit the Bible picture. You see, we're not claiming to have a conclusive view of all the details. But whichever way you look at it, the Bible's focus on Europe probably still catches us a bit unprepared for it. Europe's changed a great deal in the past decade. Its combined population and gross national product already eclipses that of the United States. What the Bible's prophetic picture lacks at this moment is a dominant personality, a leader who will galvanise the various factions on the continent of Europe and unify them into the economic and military powerhouse of the world, but one, for a time, coming under the influence of Babylon. Probably it's that idea that takes even more getting used to. As we've said, this influence that Babylon exerts over Europe could either be because Europe's own leader at some point begins to rule remotely from there, or because he's forced to cooperate for a while with someone else there 
in Babylon who controls the Middle East's oil reserves. Let me reassure you that we'd wish to acknowledge there are different views on detailed matters of prophecy. These scenarios are offered as examples, examples which appear to satisfy the grotesque combination of woman and beast depicted in Revelation chapter 17. What we can be sure of is that there's a plan for this world, and it prominently features Europe and Israel, as well as Babylon. Sometime, quite soon perhaps, the pieces will move smoothly into place like parts of a well-oiled machine. Thank you, Brian. In all of the uncertainty about future events and some of the puzzling aspects of Bible prophecy, it's good to have faith in God who undertakes to guide the future as he has the past. The hymn goes on to say, Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Does your soul, your own soul, rest in the peace and security of quiet faith in God? I do hope so. If you wish to contact Brian about anything you've heard today or in this current series, the address to write is Search for Truth, Box 246, Bolton, England. You can also send to the same address for a free booklet covering all 12 programmes. Ask for the title, Tomorrow's Headlines. Listeners in Australia should write to Search for Truth, Box 748, Ringwood, Victoria 3134. You can use email if you wish. The address is sft at churchesofgod.info And you can also visit our website. It's www.searchfortruth.net So thanks once again for the privilege of your company and I hope you can join us at the same time next week. Until then, this is John Martin saying goodbye and God bless. Peace to you.